And we are back to another episode of Live It with Jake Sullivan. My name is Sam Fisher. I'm the co-host, and I am here with Jake. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I liked the weather we had here in Minnesota before it started snowing out again today. It's so gross. It's like I got out of my house this morning, and it was like, I mean, it was fine. It was pretty warm, actually, but like... Then it was then it was like raining at raining. like nine, and now all of a sudden it's like snowing. sleet snowing. It's pretty Cloudy gross, and, but, but it is yeah. going to be nice this weekend. So that yeah. is the hope we always hold on to here in Minnesota wow. that it is going to be nice. Praise God for that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys uh, missed us just as much as we miss you guys. Um, we are going to actually continue into a little bit more of this talk on on mental illness. Last week we talked a little bit. We um, we talked a bit about what God's word says about um, mental illness. And um, and I get, won't get too deep into that. I just kind of want to jump right in here actually. So yeah. this week we're going to be talking about um, God's narrative. Now like uh, I'm actually going to title this episode um, "Fighting for God's Narrative." But before we even like jump into the, all the things that we want to talk about in this super important discussion of mental illness, Jake, what even like how would you define like God's narrative? Well, I think God is uniquely writing a story in everyone's life, mm-hmm. and everything you walk through is purposeful. There is nothing that is outside of the hand of God, especially for those who have turned towards him. And I think our suffering can be used by God. I think our battles with mental illness can be used by God. I think um, if we have a family member who has cancer, it can be used by God. Like everything the enemy means for evil, God can ultimately use for good. And as we think about fighting for God's narrative, do we see the good in our journey journey as we live out our faith as right. Christ followers? Right. And I mean, that, Jake, um, like that is a really uh, controversial thing that we could say because, one, I mean, one can argue that like how could we be so insensitive to somebody's certain situation or like certain struggle Um and whatever it is that they're going through, how could we be so insensitive to say, you know, oh, I understand that your family member just died or maybe you were just diagnosed with cancer. You're going through all this trouble. But, like, don't worry. God has a plan in all of this, and he's using it for good. Like, that could be something that could be taken as, like, super insensitive to someone. But yeah. but we're we're saying that, well, you're saying, Jake, and, and I'm here in agreement with you that, the Lord is all sovereign. He is he he has already written this part of the story in two minutes. He's already written that part of the story yeah. in a week, a month. Like the Lord has already already has um, the future written out in His perfect plan. Yeah, and that is what we're saying. Well, and I think our the enemy wants us to take our minds off the goodness of God. I think the enemy you know, the enemy is a deceiver. And if he can begin to get you to question the goodness of God our Father, then he begins to win the battle. Mm-hmm. And what we want to do as, as Christ followers is, is we want to fight for God's narrative, which is always good in all situations and circumstances. My favorite thing I think I've ever heard as a believer in Christ came from a pastor named Rob Reno. 
And he was here in Grace Church speaking, I it was about two years ago when he said this, but he said, you can never judge God in the middle of the story. So if you even take any biblical story that we find in Scripture and you just stop in the middle, the enemy will get you to believe that God has forsaken you, forgotten you, left you, abandoned you, or that his nature is not good. But when you get to the end of the story and you can reflect back, you always see the goodness of God. You right. always see the faithfulness of God. You always see the hand of God. And for me with mental illness, I have the ability to reflect back. Some are mm. in the middle of that journey right now. Some maybe are just beginning that battle and, and you can't see any good. You can't see God's goodness. But that's when we have to rely on those who do know the end of the story. Right. So for me with a mental illness battle, I know what the end of the story is. I see the good that has come from it. I think same thing in the Bible. Like we often get to open up these stories and we get to look at the end of the story. God's always good. God's always faithful. He's always the same. His character never changes. Can we continue to fight for that narrative? Mm, yeah. Jake, what would you say is like the definition of good in God's book? Because our perception of good, I think, <laughs> yeah. is completely different no than what this word that you are giving that that you are giving to us is saying that like God can take what the enemy means for bad yeah. and turn it into something good according to his plan according to his perfect will and because he is ultimately yeah. a good God so what would you define as good the furthering of his message of the gospel yes and I think That's that good. is our definition is good is the gospel continues to go forward the realities of eternal salvation so if I have to suffer in this body so that others may be saved because the gospel will be proclaimed through my suffering, that is good. Yes. And, and so it's not like good as in, oh, he's just going to heal us, or he may, he may not. But I think good as the message of the gospel continues to go forth despite the mm. suffering or the pain. And the gospel is a good message Good news. It is such a good message, and it is good news for all, Yeah, really. And, and, and I think there's a unique, and I wanted to share this scripture today, and I think it, it, this kind of leads us into this, is the mm. 2 Corinthians, and I'm, I'm going to read for a second, but 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. I just want, I just want the listeners just to yeah. kind of let this wash over them. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, our trials, our suffering, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. And to kind of put that in plain English for the listeners, mm. is God sometimes will allow us to sh suffer so that we understand the comfort that he and he alone can provide. And in experiencing the comfort that God provides in our suffering— we can then provide that to others who are suffering. Yeah. And when we provide that, we are ultimately a light for Christ with the good news of the gospel. Mm -hmm. That is good. Right. 
And we have to we have to fight for that because the enemy does not want us to believe that scripture. Mm-hmm. So, like, so Jake, when when we are talking about um, the through through the afflictions that we experience, which this verse actually goes on to say, uh, we share abundantly in Christ's suffering. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is this is talking about Christ took on all yeah. on the cross. Yeah. Like he did. And um, he knows exactly the pain and the suffering that we would go through so that we can, we can take comfort in Christ's comfort. Like, wh- what does that mean? What does that mean? I, I, I look at it as this, right? So my son, JJ, um, we walked through a really a two-year battle of mental illness with him, and he was still just a young boy, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And there would be nights, the thoughts and the struggles and the pain was so great that I would just have to lay with him in his bed and essentially hold him. And and in that, as his father, I was providing comfort to him, even in the midst of the pain. I didn't turn my head from him. I didn't leave him. I didn't forsake him. I, I laid next to him and I comforted him in the midst of his suffering. God does the same for us. So though we may feel like, okay, we're alone or we don't have an earthly father to comfort us or our earthly mother or we're out in a college campus somewhere and we're alone in a dorm room, God the Father is next to us. He is holding us as a good father. He is comforting us. He hasn't turned his face from us. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't left us, but he's right there with us. And what the enemy wants to get you to believe is he has turned from you. He has abandoned you. He has left the room. And that is not the God we serve. But as I think about the comfort of who God is and the promises that he does give us through the cross is the ultimate comfort we need. That even if we don't experience healing on this side of eternity, on the other side, we will have perfect healing in mm. the perfect presence of a good, good father. Yeah. So why don't you share, Jake, just a little bit of um, of your story and how how like how can the things that you have um, experienced and gone through um, and experienced through the love of God mm-hmm. and and understanding that it's his story that he is writing through you. Um, share with us a little bit of, of the comfort that you yeah. received in that. And yeah. Just kind of walk us through a little bit of what that looked like in your life and in your story. Yeah, I mean, it, the big part of my story, and we've talked about this in past episodes, was the collision of exposure therapy and God's word. And me saying, okay, if God's word is as powerful as it says it is, it'll be there to comfort me as I walk through exposure therapy or behavioral therapy. So as I walk through the pain of that therapy and and not acting upon the millions upon millions of obsessions that I would have over a couple year period of time, God's word was always there to comfort me. Mm. So that was one place I began to experience his comfort. But I got to really see the fullness of his comfort and how he was next to me when I first touched my feet down in Africa. So in 2009, uh, the Lord led my wife and I to Ghana, Africa to adopt. And I remember the first time my feet touched down in Ghana, Africa, and I looked around and I saw suffering. And as I looked closer, I saw suffering without hope. As in, like, what do I do with this poverty and medical suffering and starvation and and so many of the issues that that ravaged the continent of Africa, but there was no hope. 
And in that moment, I looked around and I said, I know what that's like. I know what it was like to suffer without hope, without comfort. And now I am responsible, as it says here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, or in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, excuse me, I'm getting all mixed up. Mm. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 mm. is saying, like, you've experienced the comfort of Christ, so now you can go comfort others. Immediately, I yeah. was responsible for the suffering I was seeing because I knew what it was like to be in that stage without Christ and then with Christ, and now I was responsible to bring the same comfort to others. Right. Like, it's almost like we have been given... Um, a purpose through feeling like we don't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, um, and I, and I speak from just hearing other people's stories and from hearing your story, Jake, that, um, a lot of people who are struggling with mental illness, a lot that goes into that, or even the after effects of, of suffering from mental illness can be like, okay, now what is my purpose? Like, what can I, this just broken vessel even be used for. Yeah. But from what you're telling me is that this gives us a purpose, another purpose. It and through does. our suffering, we can also comfort those around us. Like that is such an amazing reality. All suffering. Yeah. Right? Like all suffering. And in the middle of the suffering, you don't realize it. In the middle of the suffering, you're never going to see the purpose. In the middle of the suffering, you're not always going to feel the comfort. But when you get to the other side, mm you know the kind of comfort that you got to experience could have only came from the Lord. And it is in that place of being on the other side that you now go back to comfort others. And there's so much purpose in it. And, you know, I was just out at, um, I'm super excited here in a couple of weeks, being able to speak at Minnehaha Academy here in, in Minneapolis. It's their mental health awareness week. And knowing that students are suffering and now, in the middle of my battle with behavioral exposure therapy, and as I was suffering and the anxiety attacks, I wasn't thinking about speaking on the topic. I wasn't <laughs> thinking about standing on a platform, right, preaching the gospel because of my suffering. But that is the kind of God that we serve, and he doesn't waste a season. And, and we, I think we talked about this maybe briefly last week, but we saw that in the life of Joseph at the end of the book of Genesis, you know, brothers beat him up. He threw him into a pit, sold him to slavery. Potiphar's wife falsely accused him. Now he's stuck in prison. Everybody had forgotten about him in prison. And what God was doing is all that suffering, he was beginning to position him so he could set him before the king of Egypt. So mm. he would be there in a time of famine when the people would need to be comforted and protected. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Um, so, Jake, I actually want to kind of change gears a little bit Let's here. And um, we've been talking a lot about this uh, Word of God, um, and, and, this, and this is all great because the Word of God we know is the truth that is given to us. Mm-hmm. This is the wisdom from, like, the Lord's own lips. I mean, it, it says in the Word that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is yeah. usable for doctrine, for teaching, for reproof, and instruction in righteousness— that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped mm-hmm. for every good work. The, the word says this and proclaims this. We know it's true. But um, culture is completely different yeah. and against what the word of God says. So, Jake, we live in a culture of, of, of this, these two words, self-help. Mm. And when we're talking specifically about mental illness, I believe there is a... There is just this big idea that go that that is going around that is um, 
that is hammered into especially our young generation, our youth generation, our high schools, our middle schools, even our colleges, um, that says when you are going through a time of mental illness, you need to do whatever you can in your power in I mean, with, I mean, use people that are around you, heck, if you want to, but do whatever you can to help yourself. And I yeah. think that um, the, I, like, selfishness is, like, advertised in this idea, that it is 100% okay to be selfish in this struggle. <laughs> and now, yeah. and now, like, we can look at that from... Um, from the world's view and say, okay, that makes sense. Like I need to do whatever I need to do to make myself better. But what you're saying here that the word says is the exact opposite. It is that in our struggle, we help other people mm-hmm. and we put other people first, but culture would say, would say the exact opposite that we need to put ourselves first Yeah. at, at all costs. What, what would you say to that? Well, what would you say to that? James? Yeah. I mean, here's what I would say about the whole self-help movement. <laughs> is it really helping anyone? Well, let's just start there. Like, let me mm. get into the word of God or, or what you know, we could have uh, somebody who's agnostic or atheist listening to this saying, I don't believe in the word of God. Right. But is self-help helping? Well, elaborate so, on that a little bit more. Like, why, why are statistics of mental illness skyrocketing? Why is teenage suicide, young adult suicide skyrocketing? Why is drug abuse and addiction at all time high levels? Like, why? Like, why do we have school shootings going through? I remember the first time there was ever a school shooting in Colorado, and it was like, oh, my gosh, a school shooting. Now it's like, ah, somebody got shot at the mall. Three people got killed at the mall. It's like, That's it's, so not even front, it's not even front-page news my anymore. Gosh. And it's saying, well, if self-help was the help, why is it not helping? Right, right. Why are statistics and, and addiction and all that stuff inclining instead of declining because self-help was true because the majority of the world especially not the non-christian who denies the truth of the word of god turned to self-help but it's not helping Hmm. and and so it doesn't even from a from a just a common sense perspective it doesn't even make sense now let's talk about from a christian perspective the enemy wants nothing more than for us to go inward Hmm. like if we go inward then there's no fruit and if we go inward in our suffering Right, and we just focus on self, self, self. One, we just focus on our own issues, our own pain, our own despair, our own loneliness, our own right selfish, emotional feelings that are all real. Those things are all real. Yes, yes. But when we turn our eyes off of ourselves, and we begin to reach out to others, and we begin to use our pain and our suffering for good, all of a sudden the enemy doesn't have power. And I think the enemy has power when we turn in on ourselves, And then we want to avoid that feeling. Like right. we start just self, 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 self. Well, I mean, the enemy wants to make us feel like we are alone in this battle. He does. And I think turning it inwards really, like, is a really easy way, really easy in for the devil to make us believe that we are alone in it. The more and more we just kind of inward face it. Yeah, so then ourselves. we self-medicate, right? We go, to, we go to smoking weed. We go to drinking, right? Anything... And all of those things just remove you from having to focus on self, right? You let down your guard. You can relax. It's it's, it's literally taking your eyes off yourself. So then the self the self help isn't even happening. You're you're just you're not even helping you're, yourself. Yeah, I think you're fooling yourself. Right. And a lot of people are making okay. money off of people's pain. Mm, that's yeah. really sad to think about. Yeah, like I'm if really I can get you, like I'm the self help guru. 
Well, then you've got to continue to come for me and come to me. And really, I'm the one helping you, but I get you to believe you're helping yourself. And you're not really helping yourself. It's just a cycle. And now through this, all the enemy is isolating you. And in isolation, all kinds of destruction begins to happen. Right. And and so it's a, it's a false narrative that culture in the world wants you to believe. The enemy wants you to believe. It's not God's narrative. You know what's kind of crazy, too, is like the world feeds on that kind of a thing, too. Like mm-hmm. corp, like dr- uh, drug corporations, like uh, pharma- pharmaceutical drugs, all that kind of stuff. Like they feed on those ideas. Like they're, from what you're saying, like they're making money off of this false idea too. It is. It like is. That, that's it, what's super interesting is society feeds on that, on that almost failure. I would say. It does, and it, and it's just this never-ending cycle. And, and you don't have to, like, if you're listening, you're like, I don't believe that. That's crazy. Like, just go look at statistics. Look at statistics since the self-help movement really came around, let's say, early 2000s to now. Well, the statistics are continuously going in the wrong direction. Culture is getting, right, there's more pain. There's more suffering. There's, there's more acting out from our pain and our suffering. Suicide rates are through the roof. It's not working. So what if the thing that actually works is the word of God. And I'm, I'm mentoring someone right now through their pain, and, and they've pretty much cut me off because they don't want to hear God's word. Mm. And, I, and I keep, and every day I reach out to them via text with something that God's word says, and I said, what if it's true? Mm. You could continue to deny it. And in your denying it and in your seeking of self-help, you're just continuously going down a worse and worse and darker and darker path. Like, what if this is true? Right. Like, don't take my word for it. Just open it up. Like, what if it is true? And the, what if all healing and real healing comes through the word of God? Right. Well, like, um, Jake, that, that is a very good question to ask. Jake, I just want to just wanna backtrack a little bit. Um, we had mentioned, or you, more, you had mentioned um, something about, to the effect of, like, these school shooting rates are going up mm-hmm. and, and drug use is massively going up um and just the statistics of people who are who are falling into that who are allowing that um why did you mention that why d- what is the connection there between the idea of self-help and then all these crazy things that are happening that we wouldn't have even like 30 years ago wouldn't have even thought twice about but now it's all of a sudden like a normal part of our culture. School shootings, drug use, like addiction. Uh, addiction, yeah. Yeah, it's well, because I think culture is trying to push away the word of God, right? We remove it from our school systems, um, we remove it from our state capitals. We, you know, if, if you speak out against um, something that culture is saying, and then all of a sudden you're you're a hater or you're, you're not sensitive or you don't have love. And, and so culture is feeding all of these messages right. while trying to push out the word of God. And my right. point to all of that is, okay, you're doing what you want to do, but it's not helping anything. And, and I mean, well, culture has always been like that too. Like the word of God has always been um, put down by culture. I mean, Christianity, godly ideals has always been, like, looked down upon by culture, especially when it comes to hot topics like this. But what makes now different than any other time period? Well, I don't think it's always been. 
I think there are societies that have, you know, okay. but I think the okay. United, like, the, let's take about just the United States as a whole. It was founded on Christian principles. It was founded on the word of God. Right. Our schools were built on the word of God. And as groups have raised up, as culture has changed, as the word of God has been pushed out, the statistics have taken a, a drastic turn for the worse. Right. In particular, where, where my heart is, is, and I have a heart for all the other stuff that's going on, but it's suicide. Right. And and the just the increase in suicidal rates and saying, well, if self-help is working, why are suicide rates going up? What if is we take our eyes off of ourselves in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, we look onto others, how can we use our suffering to comfort what would that do? Because that's mm. what Jesus did on the cross. Like as yeah. he is being nailed to a cross and he is dying, like, Lord, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. Right. Or he looks to the criminal to his next to him and says, like, like today you'll be in the kingdom of heaven. Like his eyes was weren't even on his own suffering. Right. His eyes were on the purpose that God had for him through his suffering, which for us meant eternal life. Right. Right. And like, um, I think, and I think what I would take, I'm going to take this just a, even a little bit further. I think what you're saying is like when we take God out of the picture, the sinful nature starts to, starts to take, take a foot. Well, and, and I, I mean, like yeah. I, we are sinful beings and we always fall in uh, as humans, we will fall into sin. But especially when we take the word of God out of everything that we're doing mm -hmm. and we start to put it in our own power, then especially the sinful nature takes over. Well, and, and, and I think it's it's a little bit of a sinful nature, Sam, but I think it's also hmm, yeah. the narrative. The enemy wants destruction. The enemy wants chaos. Right. The enemy wants isolation. The enemy wants to break down community. Like the, that, those are his character traits, and that's what he wants to accomplish, Right. God, that's not God's narrative. God's narrative is even in the midst of our suffering, there's comfort, right? That he will use suffering to position us for the purpose of the good news of the gospel. He mm. wants to drive unity. He wants to bring community, right? He, he, is, he is a God that brings all things together for the sake of his purpose. The enemy is, I want to drive everything away from God to create as much chaos as I can. So it, not only is our sinful nature maybe on a, on a greater rise when we take out God's word, but the enemy's narrative begins to win. Mm. And if the enemy, like we are at war, like Ephesians is like, put on the full armor yeah. of God. Like yeah. we are in a spiritual battle that I think is way greater than we will ever understand on this side of eternity. But in the midst of that battle, we need to fight for God. So what are we fighting for? I would say, what is the war that we're fighting? We're fighting for God's narrative. We're fighting for his goodness. We're fighting for his character. We're fighting for his purpose. And we're fighting to see good in the midst of suffering. The enemy, he wants all the opposite of that. So, Jake, why is my narrative wrong? Well, I think, I, I, what, your narrative as in if you're an unbeliever? This is a very broad question, but it just it just came to mind. And I can't help but just, but just ask it. Yeah. Why right. is right. my narrative wrong and not God and and God's narrative is correct? Here, this is a very it's a great question. It's like an obvious but 
not obvious question. It's a deep question. And um, so I, I was actually over a meeting with some people today, again, at Minnehaha Academy, and, and I'm really just fascinated with what they're doing for Christ in that school. But I was over there, and I said, the greatest blessing I think God has ever given me is I got to live as an unbeliever. And in living as an unbeliever, I got to experience that nothing the world offers will fulfill you. Nothing the world offers will give you peace. Nothing the world offers will comfort you in the time of suffering. Mm. I was a Division One athlete. I was an academic All-American. I scored 3,000 points. I was captain of my high school team for four years and my college team for three years. Full-ride scholarship. Like, I had everything. I had the good-looking girlfriend, the athlete girlfriend, right, the the beautiful wife, the kids, the happy family. I had it all yeah. from the world standards, and nothing satisfied me. Yeah. So I had I had the enemy's narrative. Like I had the world's narrative, like go and make something of yourself, succeed at no matter what it costs everybody else, anybody else's expense, you go get what is yours. And what I found on the other side of that was emptiness. Mm. And when I found Christ and I experienced who he was, even in the midst of my suffering, I found peace. Yeah. And, and so there, there is no other way I can explain it other than I've been on both ends of the spectrum. One left me empty, one left me fulfilled. I'm going to go with the one that left me fulfilled, which is the narrative that God is writing. That's good. That's really good. Um, Jake, I think that there, I mean, of all the people that are listening right now to this podcast, um, I think a lot of them know who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them um, either struggle with, have struggled with, or have friends that struggle with mental illness. Um. But I also think that there is a person who is listening who never really has heard of the Word of God, Yeah. who never, um, who doesn't know who Jesus is personally. Maybe they've heard of this name, they've heard of this God, they've heard of this Jesus. Um, but they just simply do not know. Um, and, and they're new in this struggle yeah. in mental illness. They're, they're being told a lot of different things. They're finding out, oh, maybe I have severe OCD or I have severe anxiety or, or depression or, um, you know, maybe various other things that is just causing me great pain. Um, and I'm being told that I need to be medicated. I'm being told that I need to do this. I need to self-help. I need to see, um, therapists, all this kind of stuff, um, and a lot of this is so new, and a lot of this is so overwhelming. And the Word of God might even seem like just another help tactic. Yeah. What would you say to that person? I will share the scripture to that person. Uh, it's, it's Luke 24, uh, verses 28 through 31. And it's, it's this picture of after Jesus' resurrection, and um, on the road to Emmaus, he comes near two of his two of his followers, and they don't recognize him. And they don't recognize he's the resurrected Christ. And so it says, so they drew near to a village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, Jesus being he. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. It is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And now this is the important verse. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. So it's this picture of they did not re recognize who Jesus was in his resurrected form. 
It wasn't until they invited him in that he began to open up their eyes. So what I would say to the one who maybe is, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I don't know if this is like, I don't, just invite him in. Let him do what he does. So in 2001, when I first encountered Christ, I walked into a cup and I'm like, what are all these people doing with their hands lifted up? Like, I didn't know who he was. I was like, I'll invite him in. And I want to invite him in and I want to get to know him. And over a period of time, he began to open my eyes to who he was. Yeah. So I'm like, you don't have to take our word for it. You don't have to believe us. You don't have to believe in the word of God. But here's what I would encourage you to do. What do you have to lose if you just invite Jesus in? And then we can let let Jesus be Jesus. If he doesn't reveal anything to you, if he doesn't comfort you, his word doesn't speak to you, okay, then Mm. go, go down a different path. But what do you have to lose by inviting him in in the midst of your suffering? Right. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, what, Jake, I think that there's also another really important, um, really important group and, and a group of people that I do not want to be left behind in this yeah. battle. So there are many people who have been severely hurt by the church. Yeah. And um, especially on these really hot topics, these discussions that are often yeah. avoided by the church and when somebody comes looking for help the church will sometimes the church will turn them away sometimes the church is too lazy to help them or they don't know how or they just kind of shove this oh well you just don't have faith enough you just don't have a good enough belief you're just too much of a sinner so really you're just kind of a lost cause we don't know how to help you people who have been in this struggle hurt by the church and by the body of Christ. So how, how could you, how could you encourage that, that group of people or that listener? Man is, man is always going to let you down. Right. So anything that is led by man will always have a tendency to let you down. The church, a small group, a faith group, um, you know, a, a parachurch ministry, anything that is led by man, I will let you down. Mm-hmm. I'm a student pastor here at Grace Church. I will let some students down. I oversee our young adult ministry. I will yet let some young adults down. I'm a broken, sinful man, desperately in need of a Savior. So stop trying to turn to, right, the church, man. Turn to Jesus. Mm. Let Jesus in, right? Open your door and say, Jesus, come in. Now, Jesus wants to accomplish his purpose through the church, broken men, right? So don't label, right, the church, man, you know, led by man. Don't let that turn you from Jesus. Mm. And, and, and that's what I discovered. Like, man is always going to let me down, right? Mentors are going to let me down. People who disciple me are going to let me down. Man's going to continuously let me down. Jesus never lets me down. And his purpose to get the word out was through the church, through broken men. So that's good news for you because you are broken, but in your brokenness, God wants to use that brokenness to comfort others. Mm -hmm. 2 Corinthians 1, it brings us back full circle. He wants you to be a part of the church so that you can be a comfort to others, even in the midst of your suffering. That's so good. That's so good. Amen. I think that's even just, that's well said enough right there. I've got... I've got nothing to follow that with other than other than uh, just another question, unless you have something else nope. that you want to add there. 
Um, with this word um, and with all that we've just talked about, I think there's some practical steps that we can take here. Now, as um, maybe someone who is uh, going through the struggle of mental illness, or they're finally maybe starting to see that silver lining, and there's like, okay, there is hope. I know that the Lord can help me through this, that even though my suffering may be great, I know that the Lord has got me, and he is writing a bigger, a greater story mm-hmm. um, to, to glorify himself. But what are some like just practical steps that we can take um, or that one of these listeners might be able to take yeah. um, to continue to move forward in this walk? I think one, um, I, I love to do word studies throughout the Bible. And so I would encourage you to look at all the places of suffering in Scripture and how God has always used that suffering for good all throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Do a word study on the idea of suffering, um, I think, is a great place to start. Uh, study the Bible, and, and as you open up his word, look at his design. Look at his creation. Right, Look how everything was created for good, for a purpose, to point others towards him. Remind yourself of that truth through his word. So going to his word is place number one. Two, worship music. Worship music has been a huge thing for me. I've got a variety of playlists. I've got a playlist literally labeled Survive, right? So in those moments where I don't even think I'm going to make it, I just put on my Survive playlist, and I just listen to the truth of the the word through song and and through different worship groups. Been a huge help for mine. And then I would say find people that you can trust to talk about. I think God wants us in community. The enemy wants us to isolate ourselves. So I think the third step, first, be in God's word. Second, turn to worship music, especially when the enemy is attacking. And then third, find a community, even if it's just one or two people that you can share your sufferings with. Mm. And like, and I think that that's that's really cool. Like that, just that last thing that you mentioned. I just wanna, I just wanna reiterate that how important it is to be in community in these times. The um, like taking it back to when we were talking about self help. This whole idea of self help wants us to isolate ourselves mm-hmm. and almost and like you know wants us to make us believe that we are doing this alone. And that um, we should be selfish in this in this fight in this battle against mental illness, um, but this word says that we should be in community, yeah. and I and I think that's exactly what the enemy does not want. That's exactly what God desires for us to be in community. That's what the body of Christ is. Yes. Just it's a community of believers coming together to help one another in our struggle, help one another in the struggle. Yeah. That, amen to all of that. And, and if the enemy gets you isolated, he wins. You stay in community, even if it's a small community, um, God wins. I would even say, I would even take it a step farther to say, like, remember that you, whoever you are, you are fighting from a, from a place of victory. You are not fighting for a place of victory because Christ has already won that for you. Mm-hmm. Christ took on every single every single pain that could ever be imagined, every single sin onto himself, every single every single struggle, every single hurt, and he took that upon himself and he brought that with him to the pits of hell where then he defeated all of it and then he rose again 3 days later and we, now we have that victory in Christ. So we are fighting from a p- place of victory for 
God's narrative, which Amen. is all things are used for his good. Yes. And his version of good is completely different than our version of good to bring him glory. Amen. It's to bring him glory. Amen. Set on that. Um, yeah, we just pray that the Lord will continue to do a work um, through this ministry and through us sharing this story. And if you want to reach out to us, um, feel free and do so. Uh, my email is jake.sullivan at grace.church. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sam.fisher at grace.church. Reach out to us. That's share me. your story. Um, yeah, we're here to help. We want to hear your stories, and and we want to get to know you guys as listeners as well. So. Yeah, and even reach out, too, if you've got questions about what are some practical ways that I can yeah. start helping people around me, even though I'm struggling, too. Like 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 Jake said, reach out to him. Uh, reach out to myself, even, if you have any questions about, about that or if you just want to share a bit of a story or a testimony. Um, soon coming up here, I would love to... Um, do an episode where you listeners can just call in and ask questions. And then um, either Jake or I can just open up through um, through sto- Jake with his own life and stories that um, we have heard or people we've been able to minister to through this struggle and through this just such important topic um, of mental illness. And um, so, yeah, so we'll have an opportunity to be able to do that and take as many questions as yeah. possible. But, yeah. Amen. We'll be back with you guys next week. We look forward to it. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys.